The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, it has been a hectic week and a half for me. And as you've noticed, I mean, we did the show with Wide Awake Jim yesterday, but I was off a couple days here and there. I explained some of it in the Dustin Gold Nugget yesterday. But uh, my mother made a surprise visit into town last week, and so I got tied up with that. And the next thing you know, we're having the great bread bake-off, and she's trying to help me tweak my bread and get it better. So I got tied up with that stuff, and then she finally left town, and then we had a septic problem uh, here at the house. So I've been dealing with the septic guy and then I had to do some plumbing. I had a friend helping with the plumbing. So anyway, I got tied up with that for a few days. There's still some issues here. We had to dig up the front, the septic guy had to drain the septic tank. Now the uh the uh, main uh pipe that goes into the septic tank from the house. I've got to snake that out tomorrow. Folks, it's been a mess. But anyway, I'm glad it happened because it's preparing me for the West Virginia homestead. So that's all fine and dandy. Then I mentioned in the nugget yesterday, I had a major mishap uh, having to go into the matrix yesterday, bringing my mother-in-law to the airport who was going uh, back to Poland after being here for three months with us. And a very nice woman, very nice woman. Not the typical uh, mother-in-law jokes here, believe it or not, because uh, I actually uh, enjoyed her company. She was a lot of help. She cooked when we didn't have time. She enjoyed our cooking. She was uh, took a lot of stress off of Maggie as Maggie trans- uh, transitioned back into work. Not transitioned into a man, folks. She transitioned back to work because uh, she had six weeks, seven weeks of maternity leave, something like that. So anyway... It was great, and yesterday we were all set, uh, did some work in the morning, and then at 1 o'clock, we were getting ready to go out the door to drop her off at Dulles Airport, which is about an hour away. And so Maggie, while I was recording my show with Wide Awake Jim, was checking the flight, and she could not find the flight, either on Dulles's airport website or on Scandinavia Airlines. That's the airline that uh, Eva was going to be flying out on. And uh, we had booked these tickets all the way back in August. And so, it's I mean, how, how many months ago was that, folks? A long time ago. So Maggie, as soon as I'm done recording, she's freaking out. She goes, I can't find the flight. You know, we were making sure it wasn't going to be late. We didn't want to get there too early. And so I start poking around and looking it up, and I figure out the flight was actually the day before. All right, so yesterday was Wednesday. They had moved the flight to Tuesday. Of course, we checked. Maggie had never gotten an email, never got a text message, no notification, no call, nothing. I mean, she's highly organized, folks. It would have been switched on the calendar immediately. And so 
we call up customer service. Maggie's freaking out when I told her. I said, no, the flight was yesterday. The flight was Wednesday. And now she's freaking out. Her mom needs to get home. Her father, uh, they live in Poland. Her father works in France. And he drove all the way back from France, back to Belhantouf. It's kind of the city they live in. They live in a rural area, but the closest city. And he drove all the way back so that he could go pick her up, you know, three hours away at the Warsaw Airport. And so the poor guy, you know, he's waiting, and now all of a sudden the flight's canceled or it was moved. We don't know what to do. So we call customer service, folks. And this this is me stepping into the matrix. I hate the matrix. It's like when I got thrown into the hospital when we had to transfer from the home birth to the hospital. I've told that story in detail on the show. You should look for that episode. It was great, about three and a half hours long. Um, Anyway, so I make the call to customer service, and it turns out that they're on Central European time, right? So nobody's answering, and it's a typical nine-to-five office like here. Maybe less hours because it's Europe. So uh, Maggie pokes around. She finds another number. She calls. She gets through. We get this woman on the phone. Uh, she was not Scandinavian, by the way. No, I mean, this was like a Filipino in a call center, the same ones I had to deal with when we were fighting Citibank. I told that story on the show as well. So you can go back and find that. But it it sounds like they're underwater. So in the new world of customer service at the corporate level, they put the uh, customer service reps, these Filipino circus midgets. I mean, they sound like circus midgets. They're like, oh, hello, I'm a Filipino circus midget. And they sound like they're underwater. It's like an intentionally broken up landline. And I know that's the case. I know that's the case because uh, my mother had run customer service and set up customer service departments for Comcast, AT&T, the company Vonage. Um, She worked with Citi for years. So she knows how it works. It's all done intentionally to make you hang up. So they sound like they're underwater breathing through a snorkel. And then it's literally a Filipino circus midget that they dose up with estrogen and have suck on helium balloons. I mean, that, that's literally what it sounds like you're talking to. So it's like, and anyway, after you talk to him for 15, 20 minutes, you could start to kind of decode what they're saying. It's like talking to someone with, with a broken accent. You finally figure it out. So what she tries to tell us is that, sorry, our system shows that you got a confirmation email that we changed the date back on December 7th. And I said, no, I'm for, we did not. You know, Maggie's talking to her first. She was getting mad, so I took over because I knew if you start yelling at them, they're going to hang up on you. And so uh, I start talking. And I finally figure out with her what she's saying. She calls the so-called back office and then says, we sent you a confirmation email on December 7th. I said, well, you didn't. And she said, well, you're going to have to prove that. I said, how can I prove that you didn't send something to me? I said, how about you prove that you did send the email to me? Well, she couldn't prove that, said it's not her job to prove that. So I said, listen, I want to talk to a manager. And I figure like every company, they have a protocol, some sort of a policy. If you ask like 345 times in a row that you want to talk to a superior, a manager, a supervisor, you have to use different words because sometimes they'll play semantics. They'll tell you they don't have a manager. And that's because they call it a supervisor or a floor supervisor or a superior, right? 
So I play that game forever. Finally, by the end, I told the lady, I said, how do you like being a criminal? How do you like being a thief? She got so offended. How dare you say that to me? I said, listen, you're telling us that we are not going to be reimbursed whatever it was, the $500 for that ticket. Uh, I have to go online, right, on Scandinavian Airlines website and file a complaint of which I said I know is never going to be answered. Uh, And then you're telling me you could schedule her on a flight tomorrow, which was the flight today, for $2,291.40, I believe it was. Yeah, $2,291.40. I said, this is criminal. I, she said, I am not a criminal. I said, well, the Scandinavian Airlines is, and you work for them. You just spent 20 minutes telling me you're their representative. I can't talk to a manager. So as far as I'm concerned, you're a criminal and you're a thief. And she said, that's it. I don't have to take these personal insults. And she hung up on me. So I, that was okay. Because what I learned when we were dealing with Citibank is you could eventually get someone decent on the phone. Uh, I don't know if they have your number tracked and part of the protocol is after 15 calls, they'll finally send you through to like a real person and not a Filipino circus midget on helium getting dosed up with estrogen. So I get a guy now and he sounds decent. All right. And this guy again connects to the back office he comes back he tells us the same thing i said listen i need to speak to a supervisor so i had this guy spinning in circles folks uh and really to the point where he starts laughing and he's like aha you got me and he he was like a filipino midget too just not as short he was not like a uh Vern troyer midget you know like the mini me he was more like the black midget guy from bad santa with billy bob thornton like that height and uh, anyway so he's telling me there's no manager on there's no manager i said listen you connected to the back office that's management let me talk to them then he tries to tell me he's got four buttons on his phone and he has no button that allows him to connect me to the back office i said okay well then why don't you uh, I said, well, are you in some sort of an isolation chamber where you have no access to the outside world other than to customers? And he's laughing. I'm, I figure I'd get on his good side, right? I told him you sound like a nice guy. This is nothing personal, but uh, I need to talk to a supervisor. So I go through all the different names with him. I got him giggling. And I said, listen, I can hear people behind you. I said, listen, are you working uh, remotely like at home and you have on the TV? Or are you in a call center or like an office? He said, oh, no, Scandinavian Airlines office. I said, well, then I got you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, they don't let peasants like you and me just operate freely. They don't let us be autonomous. There is definitely some kind of a floor supervisor. And he goes, oh, the site supervisor? I said, yes, let me talk to them. Oh, no, they're not here. They only come in nine to five. I said, that's not true. They do not let you just operate freely. You have to have a manager there. So now I realize his job is to just block and block and block and block. So I said, okay, well, can you look up the next couple of days tickets for me? So I'm looking up the tickets. He's giving me prices. So finally he says, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, what I want you to do now that we know that there's tickets available I don't care about the price. I wanted to know it was available. I want you to connect me with a supervisor so that I can get a waiver on the ticket price because you guys never sent over a notification saying that you changed the flight date. 
And then finally, he goes, we've been on the phone. He had it like a countdown clock, which I know they do, because when my mother ran customer service, she said one of the number one metrics to decide if you were a good customer service rep is how little time you spend on the phone with the actual customer. That's how they rate you. Uh, you have to try to get them off the line within four minutes or something like that. So he goes, Wait, we've been on the phone 21 minutes and 43 seconds. He goes, that's it. You've used enough of my time. And he hung up. So now uh, Maggie goes, well, what should we do? I said, listen, I think we're screwed. So she starts looking up other tickets. She finds another airline. It was like 550 bucks. I said, listen, we just eat the money, book her the ticket. Let's get her out of here uh, and get her home because she had to go to a funeral. And so... Um, Anyway, Maggie's like, listen, why don't we just get in the car? We were going to drive anyway. We'll drive to Dulles. We'll go there and see if we could talk to somebody at the airline desk. I said, okay. I mean, I can flim flam. They might look it up. They might have access to the customer service system. They're going to see we called. They'll have notes in there. So we have to come up with a good story. Let's not lie and just pretend we showed up at the airport and we didn't realize the flight had been changed because if they look us up and the notes are in there, then they're going to say, you guys are lying to us. And then that's going to create more problems. We have to be real slick about this. I mean, this is the world we live in, folks. You got to operate like freaking James Bond. Uh, you got to become an expert in uh, travel now. Uh, travel, legal, healthcare, um, teaching, farming. I mean, you got to be an expert in everything in this uh, force industrial revolution. That's just the way it is. So I said to Maggie, look, I'm not surprised in this because you know, she was kind of panicking. I said, I told you my feeling within a you know few months to a year, there probably won't even be international travel. You're probably going to see planes dropping out of the sky, landing in neighborhoods, blowing up because they want to freak everyone out. This is all part of the third industrial era collapsing. This is what all the cyber attacks and websites going down, identity theft, money being stolen. It's all part of it. They need to collapse the current system or at least have the illusion that the current system is collapsing in order to then drive you into the next system. Autonomous flying planes, digital IDs, central bank digital currency. It's all part of the plan, folks. And, it, and it's quite obvious at this point. So we load Willie G in the car. Uh, we load uh, her mom in the car. Now, we know we wouldn't be able to get her a flight uh, yesterday because Scandinavian had no other flights flying out. So we drive all the way, hour and 10 minutes to Dulles. We parked the car. The place was full. Uh, people just parked on the wrong side of the lot and blocking the roads. I mean, this is like going into the matrix. I hate it, folks. I hate it. I'm on the side of humanity, and I just, I frankly am so sick of humanity and especially these large crowds so i'm trying to drive around the lot you got to be super careful you're not going to get hit because people are driving on the wrong side they're coming up on the left side turning corners i mean it was it was a madhouse a madhouse so we finally parked the car all right about a half a mile away now we got to get to dollars so i load willie g into the uh into the ergo front uh, backpack thing that he goes inside of 
when he's with Maggie, he goes in the wrap. You know, it looks like she's still pregnant. She's got this black wrap on. A Moby wrap, it's called. By the way, these are my new sponsors. No, they're not, folks. They're not my sponsors. So I've got him in the Ergo. We go into the airport. And, and I'm telling you, it's like the movie The Matrix, where Neo first goes into the simulation, and there's the woman with the red dress, the hot woman. Well, my wife is the hot woman. She wasn't wearing a red dress. Uh, but the rest of this looks just like the Matrix simulation. Wait, wait until I tell you about the characters we ran into, folks. And the point of this is, is this is the world that we now operate in. This is real-life idiocracy, folks. And I need to step back from this idiocracy. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the dustin gold standard my name is dustin gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold all right folks we're going to get into some really good stuff tonight. Uh, we've wrapped up Ted Kaczynski and Professor Henry Murray for a while. I'm actually working on a true crime style episode on Henry Murray. And uh, once that's done, we'll feature it here before we launch our new true crime channel that I'm doing with a partner of mine, Stephen Jeffrey. And uh, it's coming out good. It, 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 everything is written. It's a scripted sort of NPR documentary style. So uh, they take a while, and I'm recording, and I'm working on different sound effect levels, and I'm putting music into it. It's just a lot of work. Once I get the formula down, it should be uh, fairly easy. So what we'll be doing is we'll play one of those for an hour. We're also going to stream these on YouTube and some other places. So we'll play the hour uh, pre-recorded piece, and then Stephen and I will have a conversation uh, about this, and he'll ask me a lot of questions uh, into the research because I'm the one doing all the research and the writing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. So we're working on that. Um, But tonight I'm going to get into some smart city stuff I've been stumbling upon. Uh, Really amazing what I found. So we're going to get into that tonight as soon as I finish telling you about the Matrix. I mean, you're not going to believe it. This is a city in the United States that's a full-blown, free-range prison, really, essentially. (laughs) What it is, it's amazing. I actually want to go there and shoot a documentary on this. I was talking to Wide Awake Jim and Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays about this. So we'll get into that uh, momentarily. So anyway, we walk into Dulles. Dulles is not a huge airport, right? So we walk in there and we walk. I mean, it's long. It's not a big airport, but it's long. So we walk all the way down and Scandinavian's desk is closed. Nobody's there. All right. So now we're looking for an information booth. So, and of course we go up to the big uh, schedule on the wall no flights for Scandinavian. So I'm sitting there saying, all right, well, that's why no one's there. So we walk all the way down. We find an information booth. And of course, no one's in it. No one from the airport is at the information booth. So now we grab a guy who works for the TSA. He was like going to his lunch break or something. 
And we say to him, hey, you know where the information booth person is? And he said, well, they're supposed to be here. Maybe they're on their lunch break. I said, okay, well, when they go on their lunch break, then no one sits at the information booth. He said, listen, man, I don't really know, but it should be open. There's another one on the other end. So now we turn around and we walk it out know, a quarter mile down to the other end and we find an information booth. And there's a nice older woman, uh, Nancy. I could see her name tag. It's a Nancy volunteer. And uh, basically like ideal with uh, these folks, a lot of times I goof around. I'm good with dealing with people. Sometimes Maggie will just, in her Polish accent, she'll tear your head off if she gets frustrated. And then Maggie's mom doesn't speak English. So uh, I'm dealing with Nancy. And I tell Nancy the situation. And so Nancy saw the baby hanging off the front of me. And she was really nice and accommodating. Probably about 70 years old. Uh, white lady. Uh, probably vaxxed up probably has got 14 15 vaxes i could just tell so she's trying to get in the computer system she's laughing about how she can't get in the computer system she wished she had a younger kid that knew how to use the computer system i said no nancy let's go back to the days of no computer system she goes oh god those were the days so obviously i had to start a long conversation with her if i talk about all this i literally will use the whole show telling you the story i could build a stand-up comedy routine set around this so Nancy finally gets into the computer and she gets access to the phone number for the Scandinavian Airlines office that's supposed to be there at the airport. And so she calls and of course no one's answering. And then she calls the manager's phone for Scandinavian. No one's answering. She called many times. She did a great job. I, I commend her. And so, uh, she, gets, she doesn't get through. I said, Nancy, do you know, do they have a Scandinavian office downstairs where baggage claim is? You know, like if bags get left behind, they bring them into those baggage claim offices. She said, no, as far as I could see in the system, Scandinavian does not have one. And if they had an office, it would be behind their ticket booth, you know, where you go and you drop off your luggage. It's just a long wall with all the airlines. So she said, you should go back over there and take a look. So what we do is we decide to go down the stairs and we go down into the baggage claim area. We just walk around the whole perimeter, making sure that Scandinavian does not have an office. Because as nice as Nancy was, I have to operate under the assumption that she is incompetent and suffers from COVID vaccine chemo brain. I mean, that's just the assumption you have to make nowadays when you're dealing with people it's the world we live in we celebrate mediocrity and uh, we celebrate incompetence and um, you know 60 70 80 percent of people took 14 shots into their arm uh, and shove q-tips up into their brain every five minutes so i mean you just have to operate under under that assumption so we go downstairs we go all the way around there's no Scandinavian office. Maggie goes in. She talks to a couple, you know, workers in a United office. They tell her they have no idea. Then we run into another TSA person. They tell us they don't know. So now we go back upstairs. We go back to the Scandinavian desk. And next to the Scandinavian desk, there's like an Indian-looking guy, younger guy. He's working at one of the other desks. And uh, I did not ask him at the point because I went over to the United Airline uh, area and I asked if anyone was there from Scandinavian. So the manager there tells me to go over to United International. The United International has a partnership with Scandinavian. 
and they handle some of the booking for them, right? So now we walk all the way around the other side, all the way down the hallway again. Every time you walk, it's a quarter mile. So we get all the way down there to United International. And I'm not kidding you. I walk up to, uh, now, meanwhile, there could have been six or seven other people in between these because I, I can't, we talked to at least 18 to 20 people. Maggie and I were actually trying to figure it out on the way home. We're like, how many people do we talk to over the two and a half hours we were walking around? And Willie G's behaving, by the way. He's doing great inside of the, uh, inside of the Ergo. The only issue at three months, he just turned three months, he uh, is starting to teeth early. Uh, normally it's like five or six months, but he's teething. So we asked the pediatrician, she said, oh, that's normal. It's probably because he didn't take 65 vaccines. He's actually uh, progressing quicker than most kids. And I'm not uh, judging anyone who gave their kid all the vaccines. You didn't know any better. It's funny. My father the other day actually apologized to me. He goes, yeah, me and your mom, you know, I just want you to know we did the best we could with the info we had at the time. Uh, I said, look, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. I will sue you. I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. (laughs) I said, no, it it is what it is. Uh, I would have been really intelligent and probably a high wealth, uh, high earning attorney if I wasn't vaccinated. But no, you had to ruin my life and ruin my dreams by sticking needles in me. Um, No, but anyway, so Willie's doing good. So we get down to United International here and I walk up to, uh, you know, when they have the the turnstiles up or the ropes uh, looks like a you know mouse maze or something. Well, there's a black woman, and I do use the term black and white and Mexican or brown. I use those terms here. Okay, that's how I identify people. So a black woman, and uh, to be honest, she had a really bad wig on. If you want to know the truth, she's standing at a podium at the front of the mouse maze. And I'm not kidding you. She's leaned over and she's talking real loud. Yo, what's up, LaShonda? I mean, this is how she talked, folks. So this is, I'm not being, I'm not being rude here. This is true. And she's on FaceTime with another large black woman with a bad wig on. And they're just having a conversation. And I couldn't see a name tag because she's leaned over. So I didn't know if she was someone waiting in the line or if she worked there. And she actually worked there, and she shushes me when I ask her a question because she's in the middle of a FaceTime conversation. Meanwhile, folks, not with a headset on, she literally was yelling back and forth with this other woman on FaceTime. I finally get her attention. I said, look, um, you know, and every single time you move to the next person, you have to add to the story. So the story takes 45 minutes to tell them how the flight was moved yesterday, but we didn't know, and they moved it. Now this ticket, and this guy told me to come here because united international is a partnership with scandinavian you know it's like a telephone tag game so she goes you got to talk to a a site supervisor a site supervisor over there so she points me so i walk in boom get confronted by another woman uh in a united airlines man suit and then she says well you can't talk to him you got to talk i said listen i got to talk to him so finally i end up in a line with this guy and he's clearly like a nigerian guy i was listening to him converse with a white couple they screwed up their flight and uh, this guy barely spoke english and he's the supervisor folks he's the supervisor like the floor manager for united international and so then uh, I realized this white couple, the guy looks at me, he goes, it's probably going to take a while, dude. They screwed up our entire flight. We missed the flight. We're trying to get another flight. So um, 
Finally, the manager goes, look, there's another site supervisor. Go talk to him down there. So I go down there, get confronted by a security. Why are you walking down here? I tell him the story. Again, telephone tag. So every time you stop now, 14 minutes to explain the story, show him the tickets, pull out my mother-in-law's passport. I mean, it's, it's outrageous, folks. So uh, I go down to the second site supervisor, another Nigerian guy, but first this big fat Arab dude. Uh, he had one of those beards that's cut like perfect, and then he draws in the edge with a with a pencil, like an eyebrow pencil. Uh, I mean, he looked like if you put a a little gold wrap on his head, he would be like a sultan from Aladdin, like a one of the like a really bad guy, like a crazy villain character. It was outrageous, outrageous. And this guy barely spoke English. So now I have to wait in line for the Nigerian. So the Nigerian then says to me, uh, finally, after 15 minutes, he ends up telling me, oh, okay, uh, well, you have to go over to uh, Lufthansa, I think it was the name of the airline. They actually handle the uh, booking for us. I said, wait a second. United Domestic told me that you, United International, has the partnership with Scandinavia. No, no, it's Lafonza, right? So he walks us halfway down, then points to where it is, tells us to go over there. So we go over there, right? Now, same thing. I got to confront someone at the front of the gate, tell them what happened. They let me walk into the ticketing mousetrap, and then I get up to the desk there. And um, this is insane, folks. Six people we had to deal with. Six people at this one counter. I'll tell you about it when I get back, folks. I mean, this is stepping into the idiocracy matrix that we live in today. That we live in today. This is just to try to rectify a situation that Scandinavian Airlines caused by not sending us a notification when they switched the flight. All right. And this is just you trying to get a new ticket without having to go $2,300 in the hole. This is it, folks. This is the idiocracy matrix that I want to exit. I really do. I want to live like Ted Kaczynski and never interact with the rest of the world. The mistake that Kaczynski made was sending out mail bombs and writing letters to newspapers. He should have just hung out in his uh, electricity and water running free cabin and just had a good time hunting and fishing. And he would have lived a decent life, folks. Instead, he had to go poke the bear he had to go interface with the system sending mail bombs to scientists and writing letters to newspapers that was his mistake he should have just hung out in the cabin and had a hell of a good time out in the middle of nature with no one around him folks i'm gonna have no one around me for the next 60 seconds i'll be right back from this short break my name is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 